And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. I'm Meg. You are listening to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. This week we are posting as soon as this episode is actually finished being recorded because this morning the NWCL announced that they have found their new commissioner in Jessica Berman. And after a full day of television and, and meeting the press, she's hopped on Zoom one more time to record with me here at Full Time. We did not want to delay on this one. But before we get to the rest of today's episode, as always, to show your support of Full Time, plus get all of our women's soccer coverage and everything else The Athletic has to offer on our site and app, you can subscribe right now at theathletic.com slash full time. On to the news. Now, if you listened to last week's episode with Paul Tenorio, you knew that all eyes were on the U.S. soccer election for president. Cindy Parlocone narrowly won a new four-year term over former president Carlos Cordero. It was very clear how deep the division between the state associations at the youth and adult levels with the pro and national teams is at this point in time. Now, the meeting itself was also a very fascinating one, maybe not for the best reasons. The uh, technical difficulties were definitely a factor with some folks in the room, but everyone voting remotely and we had this wild Zoom echo frustrating the speakers. Um, but there was more than the election at stake, too, with some resolutions on the table addressing homophobic chants. That one was passed and gender equity at the Federation. And that one was essentially recommended to a committee for more work with former national team player Daniel Slayton speaking up in a crucial way to make sure the Federation gets that one right. So there's a lot there. I don't know if I would recommend sitting through that entire uh, YouTube stream. But uh, between Friday's board meeting, Saturday's annual general meeting, there's a lot to dig through and there's going to be a lot to cover moving forward. But of course, the big story out of the weekend was Parlo Cohn getting her new term. There is, again, so much work ahead. But before we move on to the rest of the news, here is her acceptance speech from the annual general meeting. Wow. From the bottom of my heart, thank you all for this amazing show of support. Let me start by thanking my husband, John, and my son, Steve. Your love and support have made all of this possible. To all of you who supported me and all of you who supported my opponent, I say the same thing. The moment of division is now in the past. We are one federation. We are one team. I promise to be the leader for all of U.S. soccer. I have never been more excited and more hopeful about the future of our beautiful game. Our national teams are young, exciting, and full of promise. Our professional leagues are at the vanguard of driving our sport forward. The grassroots soccer is vibrant, healthy, and changing lives every day. And we are soon to host at least one World Cup and show the world what we have to offer. Now is the time for all of us to work together. No more divisions. We don't have time for all of that. Our moment is now, and I promise you that each and every one of you have a friend and a partner in me as president of U.S. Soccer. Thank you again. 
The under-20 women's youth national team is in the middle of CONCACAF qualifiers for their World Cup. They defeated Haiti 6-0 to advance to the semifinals, and they will meet Puerto Rico on Thursday at 3 Eastern. The winner of that match will clinch an automatic spot to the 2022 U-20 World Cup, which will take place in Costa Rica. The NWCL announced another new sponsor this week in Delta, making them the new official airline and travel partner of the league, though the announcement didn't actually really make any mention of potential travel benefits for the league. Now, that's probably top of mind if you read the recent story from Howard Megdahl on the WNBA and how the New York Liberty faced consequences from booking charter flights for their players. But this Delta sponsorship is a multi-year deal and will revolve around what the league calls programming surrounding women's empowerment and diversity, equity, and inclusion. But of course, the big news of the week is Jessica Berman being appointed the next NWCL commissioner. So before we bring her on, let's get this introduction going. She's coming to the NWCL via the National Lacrosse League, before that the NHL. But over the past two and a half years at the National Lacrosse League, she served as the Deputy Commissioner and Executive Vice President of Business Affairs, overseeing team services, operations, marketing and communications, broadcast and content, community engagement, human resources, and league governance. Now, Berman is going to start in on her new role with the NWSL on April 20th for a four-year term of her own. But until that start date, Marla Messing is going to continue on as interim CEO with the day-to-day oversight of the league. And then she will serve as a senior advisor until May 31st as part of the transition. The search for the new commissioner had a number of pieces, including help from an executive search firm. But on the Board of Governors side, there was a search committee, though I do want to note that these reps might not actually be the ones sitting on the board itself. No, we still don't know definitely who's on the board for each team or the various committees and who sits on those. But anyway, the search committee was Angela Hukleys of Angel City, Mike Golub of the Thorns, Chris Long of the Current, Sophie Savage of the Rain, and Mark Wilf of the Pride. There's also a search committee for the players, which included NWCL PA Executive Director Megan Burke. But that committee of the players included Crystal Dunn, who is just doing it all while pregnant, and Emily Menges of Portland Thorns, Kaylee Collins of The Pride, Jane Campbell and Bree Vasali of The Houston Dash, and Nicole Barnhart and Tori Huster of The Spirit. And of course, a number of those players are also on the elected board of the Players Association. So with that said, let's bring in Jessica. Where I wanted to start with you is, you know, what you view this job as like, obviously, when you're going through an interview process, right, like you maybe have this list of responsibilities, or you're talking to the board, right, that has one opinion of what the job is, the players might have a very different opinion of what the job is. And then you have to kind of navigate both those expectations, but also what you want to bring to the role. So, you know, obviously, you've got some time until that job starts, maybe your viewpoint even changes over the next few weeks. But you know, heading into it kind of not even it's like day minus 40, right, of the role. But what do you want to do, really, as commissioner of the NWSL? I've always been fascinated by professional sports leagues because especially the commissioner and the commissioner's office have to wear so many hats. Uh, you have to wear the hat as the CEO of an organization, which is internal, and make sure that you're hiring and retaining the best talent, motivating your staff, keeping them focused on your key strategic priorities. So that's sort of box one in no particular order. Box two is acting as consultant to the teams and their businesses, which is super important, Um, making sure that they have the tools and resources and services to be able to maximize their 
business in their local markets that involves sharing best practices, that involves collecting data, um, and then really turning that data around with insights and analytics that help the teams to be the best they can be from an operational and business perspective. You then have your hat of managing the owners and the board of governors, which is it's really its own sort of stakeholder management skill set, uh, which involves a lot of sort of uh, consensus building, socializing new concepts, making sure that the owners and the board of governors really understand the path to success, what it's going to take, um, what's the sequence, uh, why are we taking these steps one, two, and three that are being proposed, um, where is it leading, um, how is this rule going to impact either the competition or the business. Um, the next stakeholder group is really consumer facing, thinking about the fans, thinking about how they consume the game, thinking about uh, where and how they touch the sport, whether it's on social, on broadcast, in arena, um, really all the different facets of how we go direct to consumer as a league and and through our teams. And then the player association and the players, um, making sure that we're managing the union relationship very proactively, that we're making sure that our communication is getting through to the players, either directly or through the appropriate channels at the union um, or their player representatives, having consistent communication on a regular basis with them. And then finally, it's managing the partners from a business perspective and really thinking about how you uh, create the value proposition and the narrative. What's the hook for the league? How do we want to be positioned as a partner as a property, as a platform for investment from sponsors and media partners. So I've always been fascinated by league offices. And as you can tell, I've thought a lot about it conceptually. Um, and having spent my entire career working at league offices, uh, those are really common threads that run through basically everything that the profession that a professional sports league does, including, as I understand, uh, the NWSL. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously there is a lot to this job, right? And there's also, there's limitations in some parts of it. There maybe is some power to to a part of it, right? And, you know, when when people are maybe thinking about this role and the people who have held it in the past and maybe what this role could be moving forward, it, it's not going to be the same every single time. And I think one of the one of the big things that we've kind of seen over the past couple of years, really, of the NWSL is you know, what does the NWSL want to be, right, as a league? And where where do we want to see the NWSL go over the next couple of years? Obviously, 10th season, right? Like, this is kind of that big number season where you get to maybe make some big declarations about what you want to be and what your aspirations are. But I think there's also been kind of this bigger discussion of, well, do we want to copy more from... NFL, do we want to maybe take the path of that WNBA? Like what what kind of needle do we want to thread in terms of who we're appealing to? And just in terms of that kind of bigger picture stuff, like what have you what have you kind of maybe taken away from some of your conversations so far about the NWSL? Um, well, I think a couple of observations, I guess. The first is that um I always uh and I do this even in my own league at the National Lacrosse League, which has only been around for 35 years. 25 years longer than the NWSL, but uh, still a relatively short period of time. 
you know, when you look at the NWSL, they're going into their 10th season, which is a milestone to be celebrated. Absolutely. But you stack rank that against in terms of tenure and longevity, Major League Baseball or the NFL or the NHL, they've been around more than 100 years. It takes time to build a fan base, to build a business, and especially a business that is decentralized, right? This is a business that, um, as I've often said in my years in other leagues, no one's really a fan of like the league office other than maybe yeah. my children. <laughs> my children are a fan of the league office, um, but people are fans of the teams. And it's the job of the league office, as I said earlier, in terms of the way we support our teams to help our teams to be successful in their local market, to aggregate and amplify all of that work being done on a local basis for the national business, whether it's for sponsorship or for media. And that sort of ground up build takes time. And so I, I think it's number one, absolutely being aspirational. I'm all for goal setting and I'm all for pushing the envelope and setting our, our goals high, but also really understanding what it takes to get there. Some of it is investment. Some of it is policy driven. Some of it is stakeholder alignment and making sure that there's clarity as to who's working together, but some of it is also just time, just takes time, it takes generations. It takes girls and boys playing sports and seeing their NWSL stars on a video game or in uh, a trading card pack or, you know, something that uh, catches their attention to really reinforce that these are iconic professional athletes that we want to watch and follow, uh, including their teams, including the league, including them individually. And so, um, yeah, those are sort of some of my observations about uh, where we are, uh, absolutely where we can go, all the momentum that this league has, but also understanding that I believe what the league has achieved to date and particularly over the last couple of years in spite of the challenges that the league has faced is really impressive. And one of the reasons I was so attracted to this opportunity. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I mean, obviously, one of my, my challenges this morning when writing about the new role for you was what are the priorities? And I was like, well, I mean, I could come up with a list probably of about... <laughs> you know, 25 things to do, right? Like there's, there, there are a, a lot of, of tasks. Obviously the business side has come really far for the NWSL, even just thinking about from 2019 until now, right? What's really interesting to me is also that you're coming in at a time where there maybe is 
a chance to really get a plan in place ahead of a World Cup year, right? Which has always been this kind of big, you know, we talk about the wave off of a World Cup year a lot, right? And how you transform that into an actual meaningful bump. But is that something that also maybe appealed to you in terms of, of coming in at a time where you can actually kind of maybe lay some groundwork to take advantage of 2023? Absolutely. The cadence of international competition in the World Cup is and where we are in relation to that is a, is a huge factor in thinking about growth and the growth plan. Um, I would also point to the fact that there's two years left on the agreement with CBS. And so really an opportunity to build a fan base through viewership and create some consistency. And as I said earlier, our value proposition. Um, but you're right, Meg, um, in my little NWSL notebook here, uh, I have my list of sort of three or four questions that I'm asking on my listening tour. And it's already begun um, with key stakeholders, including the members of the board, the union, partners, um, and employees really to understand from all different perspectives, all diverse perspectives and people wearing different hats, what are the priorities? Where is the focus moving forward? Of course, I'll have my own point of view at the end of the day, but my style is really to start by listening, to try to curate and proactively take in streams of information from different sources and then identify that thread. What, what is the thread? Where are the consistency themes? And then based on my experience, are there opportunities being missed even based on what people's observations are who are in the ecosystem? Because part of the benefit, I believe, is that I'm actually from a bit of an outside lens. So I have an objective perspective that has the context of the professional sports industry and other leagues, one that's like massive, another that's more of like an emerging or challenger property. Um, but bringing all those experience to bear with the input from the internal stakeholders. Yeah, I definitely wanted to ask about, you know, NLL and NHL are two obviously very different experiences. But what I, I do think might be really interesting for the NWSL, right, is that you do have teams that have been around since the beginning, right, as opposed to, you know, when you think about maybe a Portland Thorns and an Angel City and now how they're in the same league and their approach to governance within the league, but also that we have independent teams and teams that have MLS backing and how you maybe navigate some of that kind of inherent difference in approach, right? Like Chicago Red Stars are going to be doing something different than the Houston Dash. And that's always been the case in the NWSL. The, the NWSL has always been kind of team first, front office second a little bit. And, you know, was there, in, in looking at that maybe during the interview process, was that something that maybe felt familiar in a way? Very familiar um, from my NLL days. Um, similarly, at the National Lacrosse League, about half the teams are what we called shared resource teams, where they are owned by either NHL or NBA teams. Um, some of them own the building as well. So we say mm -hmm. they're vertically integrated, meaning they own the building and the property. Um, and you can compare that to our independent teams who are more like tenants in a building. The only sports asset that they own in their portfolio is their NLL lacrosse team. 
And their entire focus is on executing that business on a local level within the contract of the league office. But those are very different approaches when it comes to league governance, when it comes to policy, when it comes to league resources, when it comes to basically the full gamut of and the full spectrum of areas that you would look at in the way that the assets at the team level ladder up to the value of the league. And so, um, yeah, I feel like I, I really do have sort of this very unique cross-section of experience between my NLL experience, where I have this sort of like very similar independent um, shared resource, which I would analogize the shared resource to the MLS own teams. Mm-hmm. And then that compared to, or in conjunction with my NHL experience, where I was at the NHL during a time when the league was really growing. I joined in-house in 2006, but actually was working almost full-time on the NHL as a client from 2003. So all that time, 2003 to 2019, those 16 years were really the moment when the NHL transformed from a niche property to a mainstream big four property. I remember in my early years in the NHL, when we would get excited when we were on sports center and we (laughs) wonder why we weren't getting coverage in like the sports business daily. Um, And when we saw a headline, we were like, maybe we finally made it. I remember those years. I mean, obviously that was a long time ago and they're (laughs) way, way, way past that. But I, I saw that growth trajectory. I lived it. Um, and saw the league office expand and saw the migration of power recalibrate between mm-hmm. teams and the league office. And every league sort of has a different power balance as it relates to the centralized uh, league office and the teams. But um, as the league grows, as the league is able to generate more revenue, that power begins to shift and it makes more sense for the teams. They have more invested in making sure that the league is successful. And I think the NWSL is at that inflection point. Yes. And, you know, obviously you have been doing a lot of discussion today about the new job, but one of the the big themes that has come up a lot really is the role of the new CBA, right? And that you get to come into this role, have that in place, right? And then the next steps of executing it, living up to it on both sides, right? That's really the work ahead. But one of the things that you said, you know, you you jump from one Zoom to another. But what I found really interesting is that, you know, that there is this, this work ahead and the time for the trust to be built between the league front office and the players is now when there's maybe not as much to ask for. And I I really wanted to dig in uh, on that concept with you, because I think that is maybe a relationship that the players have not always had or felt that they've had with the league front office. And was that something that like caught your attention in terms of there's room here, there's room here to build. Yeah. And I, it'd be unfair for me to comment on the past because I don't really know um, how communications happened and what the relationship was like objectively. I know from hearing from the players, how they feel and felt about it. Um, What I can say is, you know, to me that, that is an, that's an easy solve. Um, Making our relationship uh, a consistent presence in how we think about the operation of our business is just 
simply put, part of how I think about the priorities of a league. It, it is always in my sort of forefront of my mind when we're, you know, in my role now, for example, when we're thinking about any business deal in the back of my mind is like, at what point is it appropriate to loop the union in? Um, how will we communicate? Is there a role for them to play that would be appropriate? Sometimes the answer is no. And that, and that's, that's okay. But it's the idea that thinking about them as a partner and as a potential uh, party to have a seat at the table as we're thinking about growth strategy and really thinking about what their contribution could be. Um, and, and again, that's, that's was my observation from talking to these players and to the union is that um, their contribution is very substantive. And I was very impressed with their questions, their observations. Um, again, it doesn't mean we're always going to agree on every single point, but I, as someone who's always seeking to learn and understand and listen, there's a lot of value and substance that I think certainly me personally and thinking about my approach to this position can benefit from. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, I mean, I think having had a lot of conversations with players, not just over the years, but even particularly about the collective bargaining negotiations that went on and how they approached that work, I mean, that's kind of both the the joy and terrible thing of of female athletes is that they always have to be more than just the people on the field, right? Like they have to become subject matter matter experts in labor law and and all of these other things in order to advance the sport. And so I think what is really interesting is that they are going to be, I think, way more engaged, right, than most would expect. Yeah, and and I would say, and I share this with the player search committee as well. And with the union, um, maybe it's surprising to know, I don't know how much you follow the National Lacrosse League by way of example, but those players are very similar 
to the NWSL players. They have day jobs. I call them Clark Kent Superman. <laughs> they play on the weekends. They're the best lacrosse players in the world. I wish the league had the resources to pay them more than they're currently paid. They report for work on Fridays. They fly home on Sunday night. And on Monday morning, they go to their other jobs. They are lawyers. They are doctors. They are firefighters. They are police officers. I have the utmost respect for what they do. I want nothing more than for them to be able to grow with the league as the league grows. So I can totally relate to those challenges. And similarly, the player association that I've been working with on the NLL side are current players as well. And uh, one of them's a lawyer. He also plays in the league. He's a lawyer. Um, one of them went to Princeton and is super educated and he's the president of the union and he has become, you know, a self-taught labor lawyer without a degree. Um, and so I absolutely, unlike say the NHLPA where the day-to-day interaction was with union staff, right? Like those are people who are hired to, and this like, they have a, they had a staff of probably, I don't even know. 15, 20, 25 people, mm-hmm. um, just a totally different operation. So um, having lived this sim- analogous world for the last two and a half years, I can absolutely um, begin to imagine what their experience is like. Yeah. All right. I did want to ask you, and this is more maybe a theoretical early conversation, but you know, we have had situations in the league before where you know, something is happening in a in a market or in the state where the team is playing. North Carolina Courage comes to mind when the team got relocated and HB2 was on the books. Um, Florida is currently going through a situation with the don't say gay bill that could very potentially start to play a role in the NWSL. And, you know, it's not going to be the first bill that might play a role in the league or the last, right? And you know, have you started to think about from a, a leadership point of view of how the league navigates situations where politics are, are you know, co- co- colliding with sports and maybe what the league's role is in that sort of situation? Yeah, um, they're hard issues, right? Um, I, what I would say is um, as a starting point, um, I, I've done a lot of work and learning and uh, working with You Can Play uh, and had exposure to Athlete Ally as well and really been intentional about getting educated on LGBTQIA plus issues, um, really to understand the challenges for inclusion, the battle that exists at a policy level, which is like beyond the league, but also just from an environmental and culture perspective, what are the things that the league can and should do to create the right kind of environment? So um, just to say that, you know, I think it's all of us probably, um, even friends of mine who are in the community are on a journey of learning um, and it is always evolving. As it relates to um, those types of issues, uh, I, I generally do everything I can and it's not always possible, but I think more often than not, um, we can draw the line between politics and just like human rights and humanity. Human rights and humanity should not be a political issue. I refuse to accept that a society where humans have the right to be treated with respect and dignity and professionally is a political issue. 
Um, and so um, from my perspective, like that is a value. That is something that just has to be woven into, particularly given the composition of our league, uh, that has to be woven into how we think about the operation of our business. Um, sometimes that may involve some of these more sort of what I would call like gray areas where there's like a bleed over of like what is a human rights issue that now is affected by politics. And in those situations, in my experience, and I've dealt with a bunch of them in my career, um, they're always challenging. There's always, you know, lots of different competing views. My approach to them without commenting on the specifics of any particular situation is to bring subject matter experts to the table, always seek the input of people who really are informed and understand the issue, make sure that any decision is almost like vetted or debated with a countering point of view and make sure that it can stand to the test of when I have to explain this, perhaps to my children, it's like generally a standard that I use. If I can't explain it to my children, then it's probably not something that is the right decision. Um, but if I have to explain this, can I, can I come up with a coherent and rational and credible rationale? And, um, sometimes those are, it is hard to get to that point, but that is at least for me, how I approach those types of situations. And I have had some of them and they can definitely be challenging. All right. I know that we're we're running short on time, but I did want to thank you definitely for the discussion. Obviously, again, you know, we've got a little bit of time <laughs> until your start date. Um, so I do appreciate that you have spent, you know, the time to to talk to media and everyone just to to get that relationship going. Um, is there anything that you would like to say to the fans just in terms of what to look forward to uh, later on this spring? Only that I'm super excited, humbled, honored to have the opportunity to lead this league, to work on behalf of these iconic athletes. They're amazing to watch. Um, they deserve fan attention. And I'm excited to meet the fans, spend time with the players, and really get out there uh, for games. And they're starting in a few weeks and I'll have the benefit of watching while I'm still wrapping things up in my current job. And, uh, before we know it, it'll be April 20th. Yeah. Amazing. I'm sure we will cross paths at a, a Gotham FC game. I look so. forward to meeting you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you again to Jessica for her time today. You know, back to back Zooms. Uh, it's a lot of talking and I definitely appreciate it. It has been truly jam packed since the announcement this morning. So I do appreciate her making time right off the bat today. For all things full-time, you can visit fulltimepod.com. There are links for all the major podcast platforms in one spot, plus more information about the show. If you'd like to, to subscribe to The Athletic and support all of our women's soccer coverage, you can do that right now at theathletic.com slash fulltime. It's always one of our very best deals. My name is Meg Linehan, and you have been listening to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Meg Linehan and my work at The Athletic. Full Time, of course, does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg, and thanks for listening. <laughs>